morning. My name is Ken. <laughs> and I work here, I think. Well, thanks for uh, saving winter for February. <clears throat> Very kind of you. Uh, it's uh, wonderful, as you all know, to get away, but uh, uh, even more wonderful to come home. And it's just great to be home. Uh, thanks for your prayers and uh, your support in so many ways. It's been a wonderful sabbatical. Sad part is it's finished. It is complete. It's done. Um, but, uh, but thank you for your prayers. Um, and thanks for those who uh, prepared and delivered sermons in my absence. Uh, Pastor Ed and Pastor Norb and uh, Kyer Hammer and Corey Anderson, a couple of sermons. Uh, uh, we all appreciate it so much. I mean, I realized again while sitting under the sound of many awesome preachers like Rick Warren uh, that the Word of God is so vital and strengthening for our lives. And it just was a wonderful reminder for me that, uh, that, that the Word is so important for our hearts and our lives. Last Sunday, do you remember last Sunday? Remember anything about last Sunday? It was also a very important reminder. Take a look. It's a little painful for some. I don't mean to increase the pain, but I do have a point, so let's just see this. No. Oh. The phenomenal play that wound up in Percy's arms. There are flags on the field for a celebration. Has any Super Bowl been so dramatic in its final seconds? But you know, it's done. And the story goes on, and life goes on, and the Super Bowl is a reminder to us of what our lives are really like. <clears throat> and from what I hear, life is going on for, <clears throat> excuse me, Russ Wilson, the coach, uh, seemed pretty intense at the moment, but he's rallying, he's responding, and, uh, you know, we're talking about life. We're talking about life and the journey of life and the ups and downs of life. And I thought, you know, as we've been reading the Gospel of John, it's about real life. It's about the ups and the downs of life. It's about the trials and the mishaps and just about getting there and then just getting so disappointed. It's the journey of all of us. Today, we're in chapter 16 of John looking at this great writing by this apostolic leader. Uh, you know, we've spent some time in Palm Springs on sabbatical. Uh, but gradually, one by one, we all had to go home, except our youngest daughter, Angela, and her husband, Jeremy, because he can work wherever he's at from his computer. And uh, so they get to stay a little longer. And so as an, one family would leave and another family would leave, there would be tears and Finally, everyone was gone, including Grandma, who had to leave a little bit earlier to, to come and be with her mom. And finally, it was my turn to leave. And little Audrey, who's 
three. She's three. She said, Grandpa, are you going too? He said, yeah, I've got to go. got to go back to work. And she said, Mom, we don't have any friends left. <laughs> We're all gone. It was a sad state of affairs. The opening verses of chapter 16 remind us that there is a lot of intensity in the upper room. As Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away. Jesus has so much to tell his disciples before he leaves. And that's what these chapters are all about. Chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. The words of Jesus, he's telling them, he's reminding them that he is leaving. And these guys are seized with sadness. They're beside themselves with grief and confusion. What is happening here? They're hearing him say that he's going to die. But don't worry, because I'm going to send you another helper. Another helper? What? No, Jesus, we want you. We don't want you to leave. You know, and it's easy to look from our perspective in the 21st century and say, well, see, things all worked out. But when you're going through grief and sadness, when you are experiencing it, it's another story. They were grieving over the loss of their Savior and their Lord. They were still trying to understand what it meant for him to be the Messiah of the world. What did that really mean? It's to your advantage that I go away. Why? That the Spirit, that the Helper may come. Would you listen to these very specific words of Jesus beginning in verse 5? He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So friends, this is a passage about a helper, about an advocate, about a friend who's always with us. He is unlimited. He can be everywhere at once. And what an advantage to have that scope of ministry. And you never have to wake him up. He never slumbers or sleeps, as we read in the Psalms. I mean, you can come to him in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. You can come over and over and over again whenever you have a need, whenever you need power, whenever you need strength. He will guide you. He will comfort you. Whatever you need, what do you need? He's there. It's a great chapter. I love this chapter. And this is, this is where the power of the church is today. In the advocate. I have to freely admit that I often miss this powerful resource in my life. I'm distracted. I'm discouraged. I'm stubborn. I'm prideful. I think I can do it myself. And I, I don't need to do it myself because Jesus has sent an advocate to us, someone who's on our side and will advocate for us. He will help us. He will guide us. 
He will resource us. And I have that amazing power in my life, and so do you. And, and, and just too often choose to ignore the power. So here's my encouragement to you today, to my life and to you li- your life. I've given you an outline. Uh, it's in your Sunday news if it's helpful, if you could reach for it. And if, there, if you need some extras, the, uh, the ushers uh, have some at the back. Um, I'm just trying this out on you today to see if it's helpful. For some it might be, for others uh, not necessarily, but let's give it a try. First of all, uh, to recognize and value the Holy Spirit in your life. To recognize and to value the Holy Spirit in your life. I have to tell you a story. Well, in Palm Springs, my first cousin and her husband... Uh, who lived down in Carstairs, came to, came to the area. And so we got in touch with one another, and they flew down on WestJet. Uh, we went to a church service to, together, and got a little visiting in, catching up. But, but they said that the president of WestJet happened to be on the flight. And early into the flight, the, the president took the microphone that the flight attendants use, you know, and he introduced himself... And he offered a free trip, wherever WestJet flies, to anyone who could answer the following two questions. And uh, they had to come up with the answer before they got off in Palm Springs, so a couple of hours. And uh, the two questions were, what are the new destinations that WestJet is flying to? And the second one was a toughie. What is the weight of this airplane including passengers, luggage, the plane itself, and all the fuel. What is the weight of the aircraft? Well, this was a, uh, this was a challenge for Cousin Judy. Uh, her husband knew the two destinations because uh, he'd heard that. So they had that piece. But how heavy was the airplane in which they were flying? Any pilots here? Uh, man, I'm, I'm sure you know the weight of the aircraft in which you, you were flying. But for us lay people to calculate what that would be, how would you ever figure out how heavy the aircraft is and how many passengers are on board? What if it's only three-quarters full? And do they fill up the fuel tank completely full if it's on a shorter haul? Uh, and how much luggage is in there? Well, this was a challenge for Judy. And she went to work. I forgot to tell you that years ago she got a master's in mathematics. So this was a challenge for her. And uh, like any person trying to solve a math problem, she showed her work on a WestJet napkin. And at the end of the flight, the, the president said, we have two answers that are pretty close, but one of the passengers showed their work. And Judy estimated the weight to be 137,000 pounds. Where would you ever get that number? The correct answer was 132,000 pounds. She was out by only 5,000 pounds. And so she won a trip to wherever WestJet flies. What a cool thing. I wouldn't have a clue where to start in calculating the weight. But you know what struck me is... 
how do you keep 132,000 pounds of aircraft up in the air at a height of 30,000 feet for a few hours on end? How do you do that? How does that happen? What holds this monstrous aircraft in the skies? I always like the window seat when I get on, if, it's, it's, if you can get there. and Because uh, and, I like to look out and see who's holding this plane in the air. And I've never seen King Kong or Superman or anybody like that holding up the plane. There is an invisible force that holds you up at 35,000 feet above sea level and no matter how hard you look out the window, you can't see it. What is the stuff that causes planes to stay in the air? And you all know the answer, don't you? Air. Air. Air has a tremendous power. The power of a hurricane. The power of a tornado. Oh, the power of a little nail gun. Don't ever get your finger in front of a nail gun. Air that holds a plane in the skies. And you can't feel it. And you can't smell it. (laughs) You can't see it. You can't touch it. But it keeps you up in the air for miles, for hours. Never think that because something is invisible that it's unimportant. Never think that because something is invisible that it's unimportant. You know where I'm going with this. The Bible talks about air. In the Old Testament, it was called Ruach. In the New Testament, it was called Pneuma. We get the word pneumatics from the word. It's called breath. It's called the breath of God. Or wind. Or spirit. Jesus said he would send the spirit to us. The wind. The Holy Spirit. The spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit has a number of interesting names, and we use them interchangeably. We call the Holy Spirit the Advocate. That's a wonderful name. And and that's what Jesus, the Holy Spirit, does for us. He advocates for us. Uh, I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Helper, the Guide, the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Restrainer, the Convictor. I mean, they're all a reference to the Spirit of God who comes to us at the request of Jesus. And Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send him to you. So can I give you a list of of things to value about the Holy Spirit? Corey touched upon this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, But check out John 14, verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Later he will be in you after Pentecost. Recognize and value that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but rather a distinct person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person. Sometimes you hear people refer to the Spirit as an it. Don't say it that way. 
making the Spirit feel impersonal. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's personal. He grieves. He rejoices. He can be hurt. He can be quenched. He can feel the impact of being pushed aside. He can celebrate victory. He's just like the Father and the Son, but He's Spirit. He is the third member of the Godhead. While Jesus was on this earth, He was with people of the day. He was limited to His body. But the Spirit is not limited to one location or to one encounter. He can be with us all. And He's a person. So recognize and value that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's within you. You are the temple. You, you are the residing place of the Holy Spirit when you have come to know Christ in a very personal way. It's Christ that comes into your life. And technically, the Holy Spirit is the one who resides in you. Secondly, re recognize that the Spirit of God is not passive, but active and involved. He's among us today. And he's working in our lives. Jesus sent him so he would guide us and teach us and comfort us. So uh, if you are aware this morning, he's communicating to your heart. He's, he's, he's communicating in your mind. He's speaking. He's challenging you. He's encouraging you. He's guiding you. He's giving you some fresh insights for your life. And it's, it's happening throughout the whole day. It's just not in a worship service. He can be guiding you. And you may not even be aware. That's the, how it is sometimes. You're not even aware, but he's guiding you. Verse 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So recognize and value the fact that the Holy Spirit is active and involved in your life. And might I say, even more than you know. And sometimes you are very aware of his presence, very aware. It's like he is so real at times that you can almost reach out and touch him, but you cannot, but you feel like you can. Thirdly, recognize and value that the Holy Spirit is the power source of your life. Things are different when you give validity and space for the Holy Spirit to live and to operate in your life. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and here's what to expect from the Spirit. The wind of God when He occupies your life. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. The word is dynamis, and we get the word dynamite from the word. You will receive dynamite. You will receive power. He'll give you a new power in your life. He'll give you a transformational power. You see, Jesus knew we couldn't make it on our own. So he is equipping us with a person who brings power. You don't have to do this on your own. There is a power that transforms. The change in the disciples was absolutely dramatic after the Holy Spirit came into their lives. 
So recognize and value the Spirit of, of, of the Holy Spirit because Jesus was very intentional in sending him to us. He wants to resource us for the journey he's given to us. We get weary along the journey. We forget some of the source of our strength and we start to look for techniques. It's easy to do. We, we look for, oh, I could do this. That's how management does it. Uh, we could look for the best strategies. And I'm not putting that down because sometimes it makes a lot of sense. But we could also look to our human wisdom and say, oh, we can figure that out. But it doesn't quite empower us. And friends, this doesn't need to be a strange kind of journey like, ooh, this is weird, with the Holy Spirit. It's just a simple recognition that Jesus sends to us the Holy Spirit as a wonderful friend who lives inside of us. And we can learn and we can lean. We can lean into him uh, every day every hour, every second. I mean, the enemy would love to distract us from leaning in. He would love to just kind of knock us off course there. He's, uh, but he's our resource. He's our friend. He's our comforter. And he's just, he's just what we need. Anybody this morning come with a heavy heart? He's just what we need when our world is upside down. He's just what we need when things are out of control. He's just what we need when we feel so weak, when we're sick, when we're hurting. So recognize and value the Holy Spirit. He's the power in your life. That's why He came. He came to be the power in your life. And so if you've been carrying too much on your own, just feeling depleted, May I just remind you to recognize and value the Holy Spirit in your life and maybe just say, ah, oh, my resource. I've been checking out everything else, but you are the resource of my life. Secondly, allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to challenge and change the world. You know, it's always quite an experience to attend a church that's different from the church that we regularly attend. And most of our family hadn't been to Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, South Carolina, uh, South <laughs> California. Uh, they only had 20,000 people there last weekend, but uh, one thing they're missing is uh, hot brunch. Uh, noticed it right away. Where's the hot brunch? Uh, great church, though. We asked the uh, grandchildren if they liked their experience of attending this large church. Because when, when do you ever get a chance to attend a church this size? And they were part of this massive children's ministry. I mean, the, the children's ministry is bigger than... The building is bigger than most churches. I mean, but they liked it. They said they liked it. But uh, they'd sooner go to TCC with all their friends. Uh, except for one thing. Uh, they, they'd love it if uh, we could have a giant lizard. I meant to have a picture. I took a picture of this giant lizard and two turtles and lots of fish in their children's ministry. They have this little sea world, I think, in their children's ministry. So they said, Grandpa, do you think we could get a giant lizard for our church? 
Yikes. I don't think we have room for a, a giant lizard. It might get loose during the week. Who knows? But, uh, but it reminded me that God has placed a diversity of ministries within his world. And you can tell that the Spirit of God is working there. He's working there. He's working wherever we allow him to have freedom. Middle-sized churches, small churches. We don't speak against or for any of them. God is at work in every, every setting, every congregation. He's working wherever we allow him to have freedom. Wherever we have a receptivity to what he desires to do our, in our hearts and through us to touch a world. He loves to work in us and through us. What does, the, what does the Spirit want to do in our lives and through us? Listen, verse 8 says, And when He comes, and when He comes, what will He do? He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refused to believe in Me. Now, Jesus has already told us that the world cannot receive Him the Spirit of God, because it does not know Him, John 14, verse 7, 17. So as the Spirit comes, He comes not to the world, right? But He comes to the church. He comes to the body of Christ. And He comes to you and I who believe in Jesus and have said yes to Him. So it is the Spirit of God working in us, in the church, in the body, that is going to impact the world. Now, I don't mean to imply that the Holy Spirit is not active in the world today. Wow, wow. we may be surprised at how He is working in the world. In, in Thessalonians, we're told that He is restraining sin. Do you know how, how much what this world would be like if the Holy Spirit was not in the world holding back some of the evil? I mean, it would be like hell will be. The Holy Spirit will not be in hell or supervising the environment in any way. He will not be there. There will be the absence of the Holy Spirit, and that's hell. And the evil that will compound will be unbelievable. It would be heartbreaking tragedy, like, like the Jordanian pilot who was burned alive this week. <sighs> Tragic. That would be the story headline every day, and not only one event, but hundreds like it, if the Spirit was not restraining evil. There's a lot of bad stuff happening in our world. But the Spirit wants to work through us to challenge and change the world. What is he going to do through you and to you to impact the world? Three things. He will convince or convict the world of three things. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. First, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin. Have you noticed that the secular system of our day doesn't believe in Jesus or have any deep sense of its sin? Now, notice it does not say sins, but sin. There's a little sentence later on that says, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. 
a quote from Jesus. That's the world's sin. You know, and that was very helpful. I don't know if this helps you, but this really helps me put things in perspective. Because I don't have to moralize about how to live and say this is the way it is. We got it right over here and you may not have it right over there. Or to the world, you don't have it right, but once you get it right, that doesn't do very much but set people back in their corners. It's not our job to convince someone else that they're unbelieving, that they have a long list of sins, they don't conform to God's standards. What does that do but push people away? That's the Spirit's ministry. The Holy Spirit, I think, reserved a spot for me coming home on the airplane on Wednesday. Uh, My seat was between a man on the aisle and a woman on the window, and the woman on the window wouldn't move, (laughs) and she wouldn't talk either. But the man on the left, wow, he wanted to talk. And I think he was... uh, just a, just a super guy. He's a professional. Lived a, has, really is living a good life. He really cares about this world and the environment. And I think he was waiting for somebody just to sit and talk, ask a variety of questions. And I loved his heart, great heart. And he had great questions. And he's just trying to figure out what it means to have faith in God if there is a God. I have to tell you that he's gone to church most of his life. But he explains to me that church, for him, and the Christian faith is about, how would he say it? It's about, it's about community. It's about caring for one another. It's very horizontal. And in fact, there may be God and there may not be God. It's a very fascinating way to look at life. And we, we talked solid for three hours. My job seemed to be to open the topic, give a reasoned biblical perspective, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the convincing. And he thought long and hard about the question, if you were to die, and I said, you know, it's possible that you and I will die. I was thinking about him. I wasn't thinking about me. But uh, stand, And we would stand before God, and God would say, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? If you were to die, stand before God, God says to you, why should I allow you into my heaven? What would you say? Ooh, that's a question. And then I explained to him the do and the done. That Some people work hard to do things. They get a long list of collecting good things. And, and yet Jesus said we don't have to do things to impress him and to be saved. But he's already done, do and done. He's already done what needs to be done. He died on the cross. So we had a wonderful discussion. And I trust the Holy Spirit to use that as another station in his life that he will think about it. And he's, he's a very thoughtful individual. Jesus said, the real sin is they're not believing in Jesus. And when we believe in Jesus, the rest of the list seems to fall into place. Right? So the issue is Jesus. And no matter where you live, in beautiful Phoenix in the winter or beautiful Edmonton in the winter or summer or Iraq or China or wherever, people are hurting. 
lonely, miserable inside. And life is just as painful and empty wherever you live on this planet. Why is that? It's because of sin. Yet people don't really understand that. They don't, they don't get what causes all the pain and the loneliness and the hurt and the struggles. So here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. People in our relationships get a glimpse of Jesus by watching transformed people in their lives. What a ministry we have. We're like a big billboard on the side of the freeway. And what's the message on the billboard that we are giving to people as they pass by? The ministry of modeling. And don't think you're not being observed. You are, big time. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to challenge and change the world. And you can be confident in knowing that the Spirit of God is powerful like, like the air that keeps 132,000 pounds of airplane up in the blue skies. Powerful. Just live authentically. And people take note that you have problems just like everybody else has problems. But you seem to handle them differently. There's a calmness in your heart. There's a, there's a peace. There's forgiveness. Wow, that's amazing. And God uses you through His Holy Spirit to speak into their lives and to point them to Jesus. Allow the Spirit to use you to challenge and change the world. Second, He will convict, uh, convict of righteousness. He will convict the world of God's righteousness. Can I just use the word wholeness to substitute for righteousness? Well, I think we appreciate what that word means even more. It has the same meaning. When the Spirit comes and fills our lives, He brings a deep sense of wholeness. Our lives are completely in balance when the Holy Spirit brings us His wholeness. We don't have to try to become whole on our own. Uh, we, we tend to think that we've got to get all the pieces together in our lives. And if we can just get them all together, our health and our finances and our relationships and all of that, then we can be whole. Have you ever said to yourself, well, I'm going to I'm going to try to get myself together this year. It's an indication of our desire for wholeness. What will the world learn from those who know Jesus and who are walking in His Spirit as, as you are whole when you, are come to Je- when you come to Jesus? Well, He'll give you an inner gift of wholeness. And the people in your world discover the way to wholeness is through Jesus Christ by watching the wholeness of your life. Thirdly, he will convict of judgment. And the reference here is to the judgment that has come upon Satan. Satan, Judgment has come because the ruler of this world has already been judged, verse 11. So Jesus turns his attention to the one who has caused such destruction on this earth. Satan is the one who is the leader behind the philosophy of this world, the invisible, the the one who masterminds the hearts and the minds of those who are unbelievers, distorting their thinking and leading them down destructive paths. But you see, the Lord brings freedom. The Holy Spirit brings freedom. So our lives are used to make a difference in the world Because people can observe that somehow there's a freedom in our hearts. We've come to know how to live. No longer bound by the habits that we cannot break. 
And, and the question is, how do they live with such freedom, such peace and joy? Where does all of that come from? And the Lord has come into our lives to free us from all the bondage of the past. Satan is already judged. We know he's still around. He's doing what he does best. And that's keeping people from walking with Jesus. But his days are numbered. And every moment that Satan exists since the cross is just moving him closer and closer to his doom. He's finished. But until that climactic day, he's still around. He's still around. So two recaps from this morning. Number one, recognize and value the Holy Spirit in your life. I think it's just a reminder to, you, to us all today. To recognize and value the Holy Spirit in your life. And secondly, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to challenge and to change the world. Wherever God has put you, in whatever family He has placed you, in whatever geography He has put you, He has also enabled you through His Spirit. Dallas Willard is an author, philosopher, theologian, <laughs> wonderful servant, now home with Jesus, Spent a lot of his life thinking about listening and walking in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Such a balanced perspective. He's, he's wonderful to read. And after preaching a sermon, for example, he would, uh, he would leave the church and he would walk to the parking lot. And he would just whistle. He'd just whistle. He had come to trust the work of the Spirit. And he knew that he had preached that he had said what he thought he needed to say, and if he'd done that faithfully, then he just walked away and whistled. <laughs> I love it. A sign of his confidence that God, through his Spirit, would take his words and just use them to the glory of Christ. So I just hope you are able to whistle often this coming week as you intentionally commit uh, your days, your future, to the Lord. I don't know. You might be facing some really tough days. And by the way, there's a place of prayer here following the service this morning if you want to come and pray. You may be facing some tough days. You may be uncertain about what is happening. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. And he loves to journey with you. So just ask for guidance and then walk on in confidence and whistle and trust him for what he's doing. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us. We are so glad you did 2,000 years ago so we could experience your presence every moment of our lives, day and night. Uh, you live within us, Spirit of God. We are so blessed that you're our comforter and our helper and our advocate. And uh, 
We want to walk and whistle in a sense of confidence that you have it, that you're going before us and that you're, you're walking before us. So thank you uh, for the reminders this morning from your precious word in John chapter 16. In Jesus' name, amen.